nothing is transactional in this business. You should not treat anything as a transaction. You should really treat it as a relationship and a partnership. And I think that really, that goes to literally everything in this industry. Welcome to the Startup CPG podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. Today, we get to talk about one of the newest Startup CPG resources, a list of CPG accelerators and incubators with all the details you need to help you find the perfect program for your brand. Sarah Nathan, founder of Bloom CPG, a CPG consulting group, helped build this resource and joins us today to talk all things accelerators and incubators. Listen in as Sarah shares how to find the right accelerator or incubator for your brand and best practices for completing your application, participating in a program, and building long-term relationships. This resource is proudly sponsored by Buttermilk Creative, a leading packaging and design studio. Here's a quick word from Andy at Buttermilk about the database. Hi, this is Andy Kurtz from Buttermilk Creative. We're proud to sponsor the Startup CPG Accelerator and Incubator Database. As a mentor, I see firsthand the transformations founders go through when they participate in these programs. So to have a resource like this available to our community, it's going to be a great asset. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, Jesse. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to have you here today to talk about incubators and accelerators and the awesome new resource that Startup CPG just released and that you worked on. And so who better to tell us about the new resource than the person who created it? So I'm so glad to have you here. And I would love if you could start out by telling us about your background and kind of what brought you to work on a resource like this for the Startup CPG team. Yeah, I'm so grateful that Daniel and Startup CPG asked me to do this. Um, It's something that I think about a lot and have done a lot of research on um, and been a part of. So it was great to do. So, you know, my background, I started in CPG about seven years ago as the first employee at Regrained, um, kind of being in the weeds. So I know what it was like to be on the brand side and putting your best foot forward and applying for those accelerators and incubators and doing the research to figure out if it was the right program for you at the right time. You know, I then actually created my own uh, listserv, Google's group. Um, Being able to work with all those brands really gave me a lot of insight into what they were looking for and also um, helped me score the job at the Chobani Incubator. So I was running the Chobani Incubator programming. Um, I was doing the recruitment, um, reading about 650 applications in the span of a week or two. (laughs) Wow. Getting to try everyone's product. Um, And you really get a chance to see, um, to use your rubric, but also see what works, what doesn't, um, what type of um, founders really have what it takes to get scalable or, or to have the openness to be interested um, in making the most out of what the accelerator or incubator has to offer. Um, and then after that, I actually helped um, Denise from Partake Foods. Um, she wanted to create an accelerator for um, juniors um, at HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, to really help um, understand the food and beverage industry and really create that pipeline. So creating incubator programming is just something that I'm very passionate about and helping um, people learn from the best and use their resources to the maximum capacity. Um, After that, I um, was a buyer at National Co-op Grocers for frozen food and beauty and um, getting to be on that side really gives me that whole other 
level of, um, you know, what uh, not only an incubator might be looking for, but, but what is a buyer looking for and how can, how will the incubator accelerator programming really maximize and get you to the point where you're ready to be able to have those winning conversations with retailers. Um, and then, you know, I've started my own consulting about four months ago and really enjoying kind of taking all those learnings, everything um, I've gained from running incubators and accelerators and, you know, passing it on to the next generation. Excellent. What a breadth of experience. And I'm excited to dig into some of those those pieces. First, I'd like to take it kind of all the way back to just to kind of, you know, set set the table. Well, could you just kind of define for us what makes an accelerator, what makes an incubator? Are there any key differences? Just a little bit about so that the, you know, we kind of have the terminology set from the beginning. Absolutely. Um, kind of what I've said similar in, t- in the article that I wrote in Startup CPG was that I use the words interchangeably as does the industry. Some do have it defined and some you're going to see are going to really use it very interchangeably. So I I would say that an accelerator is probably more likely if they're using it in with the correct terminology is looking for a brand that has a lot of its ducks in a row and is ready to take it to that next level and, um, you know, kind of moonshot off into success. So they want to basically a lot of times put an infusion of capital into a brand or help a brand raise around and then give them the resources to best utilize that capital to accelerate them forward. Where an incubator might be an earlier stage company that's really looking to just learn and take everything in and um, and use those resources as um, as they kind of work on on growing to get to the point to then accelerate. Great, that's that's super helpful. And just the the basic definitions you're giving sound sound super appealing. And we've had we've had the pleasure of having Mondelez on the show to talk about the Snack Futures team and that you know one particular accelerator. I'm wondering though if you could just kind of talk through like what what it looks like to be part of one and what what things does a brand need to think through if they're like, oh, like that sounds great. Like you're talking about, you know, meeting people in the industry or capital or all those things are good. How do you know if you're at the right stage uh, for your company to be looking into pursuing one of these resources? Absolutely. So while this directory does have a lot of really great information, I encourage everyone to actually click on the links and really get to know an incubator and read through. A lot of times, um, an incubator or accelerator is going to say exactly what they're looking for on their website, what stage company, um, who they're looking to help. You know, it might be in a very specific uh, niche category, or it might, you know, different uh, size companies. Um, and a lot of times, it can actually change from cohort to cohort. So I would say if you were looking at what the past alumni were of a cohort to see whether or not you're the right fit, I would say that that's not always a great indicator because a lot of times through each incubator cohort or class, um, a company or an accelerator incubator um, can have um, different goals each time they have a different cohort or different learnings of of who they want to help and how they want to help them. So for example, with the Chobani Incubator, you know, we would have it on our website. We were looking for brands that kind of more of how I described an accelerator, maybe they already had their manufacturing in place. 
They had some semblance of, of branding. You know, there were always things that we knew we could help them tweak or fix, but we wanted to know that they kind of had already done some of that initial work and positioning so that if we were at the right time to uh, introduce them to a retailer, which was part of the program, or an investor, and they would then be able to take those learnings immediately and execute on them versus maybe if they were a smaller size and didn't have some of the funds in place or or weren't, you know, fully at the stage where they were manufacturing at scale, then those introductions weren't going to be very helpful for them at that time. Great. And what does, you know, like you said, within the directory, there's an amazing amount of information just kind of going into the details of each of how long do they take equity, what all the different pieces, the application period, everything you need to know. But I'm wondering if you could also just kind of tell us like in in general, like what is a program going to look like? Is it is it is it a limited time? Like, is it generally are they asking for equity or kind of what are the reasons for yes on or no on that? Just kind of a general lay of the landscape of like, if you're thinking about signing up for this, what are you kind of committing to as as a brand as far as timing or possibly equity? What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. And it really changes depending on the incubator or accelerator. Um, if you're looking at the ones that are run by big CPG companies, the Mondelez, the what Chobani used to have, um, what Mars used to have, what General Mills used to have. And you'll see many of these are actually kind of going away because it was a pay it forward model or they had different goals or intentions of what they were looking to get out of the relationship. And then um, so they were not asking for equity and maybe they were looking um, to just pay forward and help brands of a size um, it's also really great for employee recruitment and retention and leadership building to have those internal mentorships. It's a great PR story. Um, but a lot of times, ultimately, um, those the budget will run down um, or it's not you know the top item on their P&L when they might be a public company and have shareholders to think about. Um, and if they don't see an immediate ROI from a program like that, which a program like an incubator or accelerator can take a really long time for a company, for a big company to get what they want to get out of it. Um, a lot of times they shut it down. So I know that's kind of a negative spin. But what I want to say is that um, when you work with a company like that, there's a lot of really big positives. They don't take equity. They have an immense amount of amazing resources. And a lot of times they do want to create a more long-term relationship with you. So for example, at Chobani, if we had a brand come in and you know they were a year out of being in the cohort, but they still wanted advice on maybe their packaging or they were about to pitch to Kroger and they wanted to talk to our Kroger rep about um, advice on how to pitch to Kroger and, and, and be successful there, then we were the switchboard. We were happy to connect any of our alumni, no matter what cohort. There's also, I think, in any of the incubators and accelerators, there's the idea of peer mentorship, um, whether that's with your current cohort or potential alumni or really building that relationship as an alum with then future cohorts can be really important. And some incubators and accelerators are really good at facilitating that. And others, I would say the brand might have to take that into their own hands. Um, but having that common 
thread of having gone through a very similar program um, really can lead to a lot of amazing peer mentorship from a brand that maybe is just one or two stages above where you are versus when you work with these big companies. A lot of times when you work with an employee who might be a brand manager at a large company, they have such a very specific role um, that they do that they don't always understand the entrepreneurial landscape or the startup landscape. So you kind of also have to think about that when looking into which program you want to do is, are the mentors going to be able to be relatable to um, and understand what you're going through? Um, as far as incubators and accelerators that are in um, more like the equity types, like skew and others um, that are set up more as investment opportunities, um, those will sometimes I see being more short-term relationships that you have the equity, you give them the equity, and then um, you have their time during the cohort and maybe a little afterwards. But I have um, heard from others that sometimes that relationship, um, sometimes it lasts and sometimes it doesn't. So I think it's just important to ask all of the right questions. I can't give a specific answer to um, or a generalization for each of these, I think it's just knowing the right questions to ask when entering the relationship. It's a two-way street. You know, while you might be excited to be accepted, um, on the other hand, if it's, if it's not the right position for you, especially if you're going to be giving away what could be a chunk of equity, ask the questions not only to the program, but go back and maybe reach out to an alumnus or two and say, what did you get out of this program? Um, was it valuable to you? Um, and do you think that would they believe that it would be valuable to them as well? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you you kind of alluded to some of the questions for for reaching out to, to past alumni and, and some of the other ones are, I'm wondering if you could just kind of clarify, like what would be kind of your top questions to to ask at, to an actual accelerator program if you're going into it or to make sure that or questions to have on your mind as you as you go on the website and, you know, maybe you can find it yourself kind of. But what, you know, maybe what would be your top three questions to make sure to, to handle? Yeah, the top three questions I would ask. First, I would ask what the relationship is past them being in the cohort? Um, is it a relationship that's just the six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks of the program? Or how much do they do with their alumni? How much are the alumni able to reach out to the program and still access the resources they may have? It might be data, it might be mentorship resources, um, it might be investor resources and others. Or does that relationship then have an end period for time? Um, I would at, either look at their website if they have it or ask if they're able to share um, an example of some of the mentors that they work with. So you can kind of get an idea of if there are specific mentors that might be able to help you. And of course, they can't guarantee that those mentors are going to then work with um, that brand or that cohort. Uh, but at least they can kind of see the, the quality of the mentors or if it's within the right realm of what they are looking to achieve. Lastly, I would really just share with them your goals and make sure that your goals align with their goals. A lot of that's going to be done through the application process. But once you get in before signing, if you um, want to really um, decide whether you want to accept the program, I would take the time to you know ask if, if you have a goal of finding investment at the end. Obviously, they can't guarantee anything, but what does that look like? What kind of introductions might they make or even how are they going to do they take the time to help you prepare your deck? 
you know, what kind of takeaways or resources are expected that you would have at the end, then go and and build your business off of that. Awesome. Thank you. And I'm wondering from the when you were on the other side of the table at, say, the Chobani incubator and you're reviewing 600 plus applications, what really made a brand stand out and seem like a good fit for the program you were working on? And kind of what tips do you have for other people going through the process? Or were there any big no-nos of like, oh, I couldn't stand it when people did X, (laughs) anything like that? Any insights to reviewing all those applications on what can help people stand out and show that they're a fit and that they're serious? Absolutely. I think the number one thing to show you're serious is answering all the questions um, and answering them all in full. Um, when I would see applications where they, I asked for a video and they didn't attach a video, they maybe were writing one sentence answers. Um, those were the times where I said, if they can't take the time to fill out this application, they're not going to take the time to make the most out of the program. Um, so that was usually a big red flag for me. Obviously, I understand a lot of these incubators and accelerators they ask a lot of questions. The applications can seem very time consuming, but I would counteract that and say that those questions, especially the ones that we would ask, were very, very similar to what any buyer might ask or what any investor might ask. It was just great practice. You know, keep telling your story concisely, keep, you know, sharing your data. Um, and, and really, yeah, just, be open. I think that's another thing that I saw for brands that were um, not didn't have an ego um, and were able to identify their needs or their struggles. Now, every brand coming in is going to have a different need and struggle. Um, so to help the accelerator identify if they're able to help you with that or that they un- understand that you understand what your goals are is really important to so you don't want to seem like you're a total dumpster fire and you don't ha- know what's going on. Um, but to be a little vulnerable, um, I think can really help in an application process as well. Just showing that you really are going to take in um, all the advice that's given to you. Um, I think someone who was willing to listen and learn was always the top thing that I look for in applicants. That makes a lot of sense. And that definitely echoes what we heard from the Mondelez team when they were on the show. Of They were like, like you said, there's a level of you have your act together and you're not a total dumpster fire of a company or anything. So there's this balance. But the companies that were like, these are the things that we could use your help on. It's super helpful to know because if you don't need any help, then you know why are you applying for a program if you've got it all together? And I've definitely seen that even on the the angel, when I worked in the angel investing side of the world's kind of across different industries, there the brands that would pitch to you like, yes, you want to see that they've got traction, that they're doing well, but if if there's just so much puffery and so much like we've got it all together, you're like, well, then why do you need an, you know, why do you need this fund's money or whatever? Like, tell us what you actually are going to do with it or what you're trying to do and what your goals are. So that that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And from your experience on the buyer side, I'm also curious what what that brings in as well. When you were a buyer, was it interesting or helpful that that a brand had been in an accelerator incubator? Did that ever come up? I'm curious if 
from the buying side, if that was ever part of the conversation, you know, that a brand had been part of one of these programs. And if they had, was it a good, you know, indicator for you as a buyer? Absolutely. So when I was at the Chobani Incubator, we would actually um, do store visits. So we met, we went to Rochester to meet with Wegmans. We went to Austin to meet with Whole Foods. We went to Bentonville to meet with Walmart, et cetera, et cetera. And those stores opened their doors to us because they understood that we had basically pre-vetted these companies. So they were a lot more open and interested in taking meetings with these companies because we had done the work of not only finding them out of a series of applicants and really taking a bet on them, but at the same time, also really leveling up their resources um, and so that the store knows that they have all the information and the resources to be able to understand how to be successful within retail. Um, and then from me as a buyer side, you know, I'm someone, uh, I can't speak to every buyer, but I think a lot that are really in the industry and love the industry are always keeping tabs on, you know, what incubators there are and, and what companies got accepted. So it's an, it is another way, I think, to get your brand name out there. So if I saw an announcement for Mondelez accepting a company that was then coming to me um, to potentially be in my store, that's something where I've now heard their name maybe more than once from this announcement. And maybe I heard it somewhere else on Nosh, et cetera. Um, it's going to kind of bring it into a, a light for me that they are on this path um, of getting help from someone and kind of more in the industry zeitgeist. Now, that's not everything, but I think it's a good door opener. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I think I'm I'm guessing on the category management side that any sort of other vetting with the sheer volume of pitches that you're getting is is super helpful to just have seen a brand before, heard a brand before, let alone had another company accept them through a program that had some sort of vetting process. Yeah, and it doesn't always mean that they're ready for that particular retailer. There were a lot of brands that I worked with at the incubator that I I absolutely love and only want to see their success. But when I would do my particular, like, particular category management, for them, it just didn't make sense for me at the time to bring them in, no matter how much I love them and wanted to see their success. So, you know, sometimes, um, you know, it's, it always comes down to the data at the end of the day. Um, but like I said, having the, that background will get your foot in the door and, and will sometimes allow buyers to be more willing to take that risk on you as well. And on the brand side, if say, you know, it's awesome, you've been accepted into an incubator, this is great. Now, now you've got, you know, maybe it's 12 weeks of meeting with mentors, maybe you're getting some social media help, maybe you're getting you're meeting with investors, but you know, you're, you're a founder with a Maybe it's just you. Maybe it's just one or two people. How do did you see brands get the most of out of the experience as far as like who on the team was involved in different stages? Did you see brands break it out amongst different you know team members? Is it you know can it can a founder really make use of all the resources just on their own while they're trying to manage everything? else what do you see how did you see brands be successful actually utilizing all the resources because i think that's something that i've seen at least in oregon and some of our incubators outside of cpg and some of the other industries you would see someone they they'd come in they're like all excited and then they're like oh shoot i don't have time for any of these resources so i'm just you know thank you and i'm going to go back to running my business and you're like ah like 
shoot, like you had this, you know, you had all of these, these resources and A, they could have, you know, gone to someone else or B, you could have utilized them. So how do you see people balance that well? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually going to, first of all, go back to a question you asked and I didn't get a chance to answer. I apologize. Is um, that a lot of incubators and accelerators these days, I think because of COVID and because of virtual have really pivoted. So when I was running the Chobani incubator, we would do a week at a time in New York. Um, So you would basically, the founder, we always wanted at least one founder involved, but then we allowed them to bring in another employee based on what the topic was that week. So we would, each week would be either marketing or sales or operations, et cetera. And um, that way they were able to switch out who they were bringing. So it could be a founder and the marketing person or the other founder that does, that's more of the COO and the ops person, et cetera. So that really allowed um, them to be, and not everyone has all of that support and all those employees at the, at the beginning. Um, but that allowed for you kind of solve for what you're asking for. And again, not every incubator or accelerator is going to have that. Um, but with COVID, a lot of accelerators and incubators have now really understood um, and wanted to make their incubators more equitable and, and accessible um, that founders are running their business on a day-to-day. And taking a week out of your business is very valuable, but can also be a little detrimental or doesn't fit into everyone's schedule, or maybe they have kids, you know, and that everyone kind of comes from a different walk of life or a different need. So you're seeing more and more be virtual or hybrid or, um, you know, a couple hours in a week in the day. Everyone's trying to figure out what the right balance is. Um, But I think that that does um, make for more people to take advantage of the resources. If it's virtual, maybe they can, uh, because uh, Accelerator Incubator isn't paying for the flight and the hotel, et cetera, of the other employee, that more people can tune in and be involved and learn from those resources. Um, or the resources can be recorded um, and then watched at a later time. So Maybe the founder always participates, but then they can access the recordings um, and share those with either their current employees or if they hire up that employee, they have access to those resources to be able to have their employee go in and watch those, um, I think can can be very valuable. Great. And would you say for for most of these resources um, on, on this list, are they mostly food and beverage? Is it all CPG? So they, it's a... Mostly food and beverage, some CPG, there's some like Sephora that's just beauty. Um, You know, I really wanted to kind of get a whole span of incubators there. I also included national as well as some regional ones. Um, So there's some that are done by either state or city economic development organizations. And so they're looking specifically to help people within their state or city or region. Um, And then there's ones who have more of a national open call. Um, You know, for example, SKU right now has SKU Austin, SKU Dallas, SKU um, uh, Impact SKU in Minnesota. It has um, Atlanta and they're really expanding. But they're also, um, for some, looking for local and for some, like Impact SKU, even though it's out of Minnesota, is looking for any brand nationally that is has a really mission-based or impactful um, product. Um, and a lot of these 
accelerators and incubators, maybe they were started out with food and beverage and are now seeing the value in beauty, especially like the ones that take equity. Um, or there's ones that are pivoting. For example, there's one out of Chicago um, that is for food service. Um, and they were working mostly with food tech companies, maybe like a, a restaurant POS system or a back of house system and are now looking to actually work more with CPG brands in helping them get into food service or working with food service. So they have decided to pivot you know, more into the CPG side of things. Um, of course, it's a living list. There weren't that many um, applications that were currently open right now. Some have rolling applications. Some are a specific time period. Um, like I said, the availability of incubators and accelerators is constantly waxing and waning. There's always new ones coming up and there's always ones ending. So I try to show the dates that the previous year, maybe, or this year it may have happened. I can't guarantee that it will be open that year or even, or if it is, if it's going to be during the same time period or if they have multiple times during the year. You know, I think having the ability to make this a living document and edit and update it um, is a goal of mine. Um, if anybody also out there has great incubators or accelerators they would love to suggest to be added to the list, that would be wonderful as well. Awesome. And I'm wondering, looking at the, there's a great article that you wrote up and we we briefly mentioned before that we'll, we'll link in the show notes to, that kind of goes through more about this resource that's been created. But I wanted to ask a question on, you had a couple points in there of uh for brands of a coming in without an ego and b be mindful of the group's time and both of those uh seem to come from some level of experience and so i'm wondering if you have any i don't know if you can share any stories without any names or but it looks like those just came from a place of you know seeing some some maybe some not the right way to come in and if you could share a little bit of, of how to come into a it with the right mindset that that has everyone in mind that is also in the cohort with you. Absolutely. The ego goes back to um, what I was talking about before of coming in with the most um, interest in learning and changing. And I will say not every suggestion you get is going to be right. A lot of founders really go through paralysis analysis. They have so many different people they ask for advice, so many different mentors. Um, but it's I've been a mentor to companies where they come in expecting one thing and think that they know it all or that they figured things out already and just aren't open to shifting their views. So I think that's a big piece of it is or maybe I've had people come in and I've seen that they've missed sessions because they were, you know, in town and wanted to have an investor meeting that that was down the street or um or they're sitting there and again like filling out retail paperwork while we're, while we're trying to present and i think being really mindful of the time that a mentor is giving you out of their day a lot of times they're doing it for free you know all of the mentors that we would bring in the incubator those people are volunteering their time because they care so much about this industry so if they were to come in and just see like heads down people at their computer doing other work or not really listening or interested or saying, I don't really care about that topic or, or we've got that on lock. Um, when you can always learn something no matter what from any, um, any, you know, new person or session, maybe it's, they suggest a book to read or, um, or they could be a really good, you know, connection down the line. 
showing that respect, I think can, is very important and can go a long way. Um, I think when someone chooses you um, as someone who runs a program and they see that you don't show that respect yet, they do feel like there were so many other wonderful, willing people they could have gotten given that spot to that would have taken more out of the program. Um, and then the peer thing, I think peer mentorship is so, so important. It's maybe one of the main things you're going to get out of a program like this, because those are very long lasting relationships and people you're going to see over and over again at trade shows and are going to keep growing and building with you that sometimes you'll have a brand that'll come in and just want to talk about their specific issue. And sometimes it can be a totally great one that everyone can learn from and is a common issue, you know, but a lot of times if it's an issue that is so detailed and specific to you, maybe ask a general question about it, and then you can go and speak to that mentor or get their, if it's virtual, get their information and set up a call with them afterwards. Um, they're usually very willing and happy to for follow-up questions to discuss your issue further in detail. That those that would be my best advice of, of just scanning the room and kind of saying what questions would be valuable to the most amount of people. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And it's it's kind of like a if you take whether it's a, a college class or just a workshop that you attend when when everybody's super engaged, it changes the vibe and like, you know, everybody's talking with each other and kind of building. But when you're in a, a session or even a webinar where everybody's, you know, cameras are off and everybody's clearly working on other things. You just, you just don't get the same out of it. So that makes sense because you're investing time in this. So you might as well get the most out of it. Exactly. And you know, it's a community. What we used to say at the Chobani Incubator was that we felt we were casting more of a Broadway play than picking the best of the best. We really wanted that everyone had their own things that made them shine or their own expertise. So maybe one company had um, a really good e-commerce strategy, but was lacking on the retail or one, you know, was killing it on branding or SEO and, and the, you know, another one wasn't, we felt that those were opportunities for people to learn from each other. So that really went into our crafting each cohort as well. Yeah, that's great. I just kind of want to reemphasize that point of that, you know, yes, you're making the connection with the, you know, it may be a big company that's running the incubator, it may be a local economic resource, and then you've got the mentors, but you're also making connections with these other brands and that you can stay in touch with and as each other grow, continue to be a resource for each other. So that's a huge kind of network extension that you also get as part of one of these programs. Yeah. I just, I really wanted to go back. There's one thing that in this article that I think is also important, not only for ink, uh, incubators and accelerators, but for venture capital and for retailers um, about being the right size or the right fit yeah. is sometimes it's really important to just get your information out there and get someone to get to know you and see who you are. Maybe if it's a venture capital firm or a buyer, maybe it's coming out from a position of asking for advice initially, you know, or an accelerator putting your application out there and your best foot forward, um, knowing right now not may not be the time. But if you get in front of them now, when you apply next year, as long as you make an effort to, to have, you know, learned within that year or had some growth within that year, um, then they're really going to see, wow, this is a brand where I can see their trajectory. I can see how much they care. Um, and I can see that that they're really someone who's willing to take, you know, advice and resources and, and, and build off that and grow off that. So a lot of times, like I said, venture capital, I think it's important. This is going on a bit of a tangent, 
um, but just something that I've learned from being in the incubator. Um, a lot of times a buyer or a venture capital firm does want to know that you did some research on them on whether you're the right fit because uh, they have limited amount of time. But being able to ask for that advice so that you're building a relationship for when you are ready is great. And then, but the same thing kind of goes, there were a handful of companies, and I mentioned this in the article, that applied three or four times before getting in. So I know a lot of people can get discouraged right when they hear that first no of, oh, they don't want me, I'm not going to bother trying again. And sometimes it's not that you're not the right fit. It's just it's not the right time. Um, And out of, again, 650 applications, and then having to pick six, six brands, you know, it hurt my heart sometimes to have to say no to some wonderful, wonderful brands. Um, But I would say, you know, if it's a program that you're really um, interested in, um, I can't guarantee it's going to happen, but I would say keep trying. Yeah, that's a really great point. And I think too that, you know, like you said, it can be super discouraging, but also CPG is a tough industry and it's so much of it is about follow-up and persistence. And so being able to follow up and show a program that the next year that you're still interested shows them that you're still around, you're still committed. And it's like, it's like when I've hired salespeople, like if, if I do an interview with someone and they don't follow up with me, I'm like, well, they're going to be my salesperson. Like they, if they're not interested and they're not, you know, and they're not following up with me, are they going to follow up with with potential leads? So to me, it, it kind of seems like that continuing to apply and continuing to stick with it just shows that you've kind of got that persistence and and kind of grit to just make it in a tough industry potentially. Exactly. I'm also wondering what it looks like, how to make the most of, so, you know, you've done the program, you're at the end. Okay. I, I imagine that, you know, a lot of times that those relationships can, can just end, but you talk a little bit in the article about this of how do you, how do you stay in touch? How do you make sure you stay top of mind with the people that you met, what tips do you have for making this long-term versus just something that you did for a couple of weeks and then you kind of didn't, you know, then don't nurture the relationships long-term? Yeah, it's absolutely a two-way street. You know, again, accelerators um, maybe have a mission of some of it being the goodness of their heart and some of it, you know, they want to make sure that it's successful, that they can keep doing it time and time again for others. And so having really good communication and and giving them what they give you back. So a lot of times they're going to ask for surveys, number one, um, what you thought of the program. Um, we would do surveys in between each week. So I, I really wanted to hear if week by week I could change and, and help work towards what each brand needed, what worked, what didn't, um, so that I could make it better for the next time. So I think um, doing things like filling out surveys right away, or if you're asked for paperwork right away, get it back to them. They're also might want to ask or see your future growth. So how, um, you know, maybe six months a year down the line, they might say, how many more stores are you in? What's your revenue? How many more employees did you hire? You know, those things are great KPIs for them to understand how they're helping businesses. So to be able to really have that two-way street and share them that with them, they're going to be, first of all, excited about your success. So they're going to want to keep helping you. Like The more you check in, the more people are going to remember you and want to introduce you to that next person. Um, but then I would say also just really from the peer mentorship level, I, I loved, I had one brand that every time there was a new cohort, they would send a care package of their product to the new cohort saying, welcome, we're here for you as mentors, whatever you need. Um, And they did that completely on their own outside of 
of the program. Um, and that really helped them connect to a whole new group of potential peer mentors so that they wanted to pay it forward. But And they were probably also um, building out their network um, to see how they could, um, you know, what benefits and growth they might get from that as well. I love that. That's such a cool idea to kind of continue the community across multiple cohorts. I might, I'm going to uh, out myself as a baking nerd here, but it's like on the Great British Bake Off show how you have, you know, you have your your contestants for a season, but then they all stay in touch with each other. And if you follow them on Instagram, they all hang out and they're like, welcome to the Bake Off family. And I'm always like, that's so cool that these people across, they didn't ever actually meet each other on the show, but they're all kind of staying in touch. And I love that idea for for an accelerator as well of, you know, you've become part of this network and remembering that and remembering what you have access to as a brand is pretty cool. Exactly. And I, I would say the one of the main things that I tell my client, whether they're starting a relationship with a retailer, a broker, a, a distributor, an accelerator, um, a supplier, a co-packer, you name it, is that nothing is transactional in this business. You should not treat anything as a transaction. You should really treat it as a relationship and a partnership. And I think that really that goes to literally everything in this industry. Um, so I would I would continue to kind of put that motto in everyone's head uh, and and you'll immediately see how much more successful you can be that way. Great. And I'm wondering if you can just tell us like, all right, you know, everybody's hopefully after listening to this, they're chomping at the bit to take a look at this resource list that you've put together. Um, like I said, we'll have links in the show notes, but just generally kind of tell us like, how how are they going to find it? And then what do you recommend kind of doing with the list once you look at it? If you're looking for, you know, an incubator now or if you're looking for one in six months, what's the best way to utilize, you know, looking through the list? Absolutely. So, yeah, if you go to startupcbg.com, um, if you sign up for um, their their community, they'll send you a link with the, I believe it's a Dropbox um, to get access to the directory. So you'll see there'll be an article um, that'll give you kind of a sneak peek. And then there's uh, directions on the bottom that'll show how to access the full list. Um, and that's free. You know, you just need to sign up, which is a great community. If you're, you're listening to this, you're probably already signed up. But if you're not, I would recommend doing that as soon as possible. There have been amazing past directories. And I can tell you there's more awesome directories to come. Um, and with this, I would say um, I've added some hashtags. I've added, you know, I really wanted to make it so it was very clean to see kind of where you might fit um, and be able to filter out um, what doesn't work for you. Um, maybe if it's a regional thing or whether it's food or bev or, or size of the company. Um, but, you know, these are each short descriptions. There was so much if I had all the space and time in the world that I would have added to this directory. But I really encourage everyone to click on the websites of what really sticks out to them and is of interest to them and then dig deeper. Um, I would also say if there's something that you are interested in that is not currently accepting applications, I would then go on their website and sign up for their newsletter because that is where you are going to get the most up-to-date information on whether or when that accelerator incubator is ready to accept new applicants. Great. Yeah, those are great call-outs. And yeah, I think once once you sign up, like you said, there's so many great resources. There's already multiple resource lists in the Google Drive once you, once you get the access link when you sign up for the community. 
And then, you know, any of the, all the, all the resource lists are view only, but you can create your own filters and Sarah did a great job making it so you can filter for equity or regional national location. And like she mentioned all the different tags. So it's definitely very searchable and in easy to use and like all of the startup CBG resources. So definitely encourage everyone to, to sign up and take a look. And Sarah, I'm wondering if you could also just tell us a little bit about Bloom CPG, you mentioned it very briefly at the beginning, but you know, wh- what kind of brands do you work with? What what uh, what does it look like to work with you at Bloom CPG? Just tell us a little bit more. And if anyone wants to get in touch, how do they reach out to you? Yeah. So the number one thing I was seeing when um, working and looking for brands at the Chobani Incubator was the lack of access and resources um, to a lot of um, women or minority-owned brands. And so that's really been my biggest focus is helping those early stage brands um, that are women owned, minority owned, uh, a lot of times solo founders, or maybe just a, a two people founder team that haven't yet raised um, and maybe aren't don't have the money to hire, you know, full time specialists that I'm a really great generalist to help you with your uh, brand positioning go to market strategy, how to work with retailers, distributors, um, getting to that next level. I also do work with some brands that are a little bit farther along in terms of how to maximize what they're how they're working with retailers, um, whether it's gaining trial and velocity, looking at their data and analyzing their data to help them um, really increase their, their turns out retail. Um, and then just because I've been a part of the incubators and my vast experience, um, I kind of have, I want to say like little knowledge bombs on all different types of, um, whether it's supply chain, logistics, operations, you know, social media, you name it. I'd say uh, not an expert in anything, but um, I am a resource um, connector. Um, and I would say, yeah, my biggest expertise is on that. Um, retail go-to-market side. So you can find more information on my website, www.bloomcpg.com. Um, I do, you know, free half-hour consultations if anyone wants to just, uh, you know, pick my brain and learn more. Excellent. Thank you. Well, Sarah, this was awesome to have you on the show to hear about this new resource and get to glean some of your expertise about the accelerator incubator world. So thank you so much for putting together this resource and I'm so excited to have our Startup CBG community start using it. And yeah, just so glad that you took the time to sit down and chat with me today. Thanks so much, Jesse. Thanks for joining us. Special thanks to Buttermilk Creative for sponsoring this awesome resource. Make sure to sign up for free access to our whole library of databases. Whether you need to find a Shopify expert, a freight provider, or a home for your expired inventory, we've got you covered. This Startup CPG podcast is executive produced by me, Jesse Freitag. Theme music is by the Super Fantastics. We'd love to have you join our community of founders and experts. Get the invite at startupcpg.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. It's the easiest way to help us grow our community. See you next time.